0: Welcome to the Commentary Magazine Daily Podcast. Today is Wednesday, April 28th, 2021. I am John Podhortz, the editor of Commentary. With me, as always, executive editor, Abe Greenwald. Hi, Abe. Hi, John. Senior writer, Christine Rosen. Hi, Christine. Hi, John. And associate editor, Noah Rothman. Hi, Noah. Hi, John. It is uh, my time to tell you, uh, as I rarely do, that you need to go to CommentaryMagazine.com and subscribe uh, to commentary where you get a few free reads before we put up that horrible paywall so get rid of the paywall read our read our monthly magazine read our daily blog posts from noah and christine and occasionally some other people uh and help support the podcast by subscribing because you listen to it you're enjoying it you're you're part of uh you're part of our audience we're very happy but you know what it you know we're not pbs but you know, we we do depend on support from listeners like you. So commentarymagazine.com, go subscribe and get our merch because we got shirts. We got mugs. we got And uh, rate us. And rate us. Uh, oh, on iTunes. I'm sorry. That's right. Uh, w- please leave a glowing five-star review, as Rich Lowry says. And if you don't like what you hear, forget I said anything. But let's face it. If you didn't like what you were hearing, you probably wouldn't be listening right now uh, unless you are a new listener, in which case, welcome. And you're going to like what you hear. And if you don't like what you hear, don't leave a review. Uh, Biden's going to have a big speech tonight uh, introducing his uh, let's turn the government into a giant milk factory. But uh, we'll talk about that tomorrow. Uh, Let's talk about the big news, which is the... uh, which is the CDC, as Noah might say, telling people to do what they've already been doing for for the last eight months or 10 months, uh, which is that uh, they can go outside uh, without a mask if if they're fully vaccinated. But if you're fully vaccinated and you go into crowds, you should wear a mask. Guess why? Guess why? Uh, As CDC Director uh, Rochelle Walensky, who is becoming in some respects the most risible public official of our time uh, given the <laughs> given the, the fact that every week she says something and her own agency somehow corrects her from saying that like pregnant women should get the vaccine they're like no no that's not our guidance our guidance is not that pregnant we don't have guidance on whether pregnant women should get the vaccine or uh schools should reopen. No, no, no. That's just your personal opinion. They die. With, that's your personal opinion. Really? I thought the personal opinion of the person who runs the agency matters. Okay. So she said everybody needs to wear a mask uh in crowded public settings because uh the unvaccinated will think that other people. Okay, can someone help me out with this? I'm going I, I I okay, to, no, to no. do
1: all this because it drives, drove me absolutely insane yesterday. Really? It <clears throat> did? I the can't CDC it. drops this guidance with a, with a helpful graphic that showed you all the, th- you know, color-coded to show you what your relative level of risk is and also where and when you should be wearing a mask. So, functionally, in the real world we all inhabit, the distinctions from being vaccinated and being unvaccinated are indistinct because the things that you're allowed to do now as a result of your vaccination according to the cdc consist of precisely two things a maskless the first is that you can now eat indoors safely without a mask and the second is you can gather with you know people who are also vaccinated unmasked um indoors and outdoors and that is corresponds with what we were told two weeks ago, more or less. It's also what everybody's been doing. If you've ever been to a restaurant in the last 10 months, which is how long they've been open in my state, many other states have been open much longer. Everybody is maskless because you're at a table. You're already, you're eating, you're unmasked. Do you really think that all those people are vaccinated? Do you think they all are related? If you do, you're extremely credulous. And we had yesterday, Joe Biden gave a speech where he, you know, very ceremoniously took off the mask it was like the clouds had parted and he said you know among the things that you can do now today beginning now the beneficence of of your federal government allows you to go picnic in the park outdoors without a mask can you believe it I'm sure that everybody listening to this podcast hasn't done that at all has not been outside with people they're not related to for the better part of the last 14 months it's this is all just brand new for you and you know, God bless the federal government for doing this. Um, social desirability bias is what it is. You're not going to see a lot of people out there saying that this is insane, but they're are going to internalize the insanity of this thing and just tune out. When you're telling people that they can can do the things they've been doing for the last year, probably they're they're not going to listen to you anymore, even if you think they are. Well, and it's worse
2: than that because it's particularly for Biden, the, the tweet that drove me round the bend was the one where he's standing there grinning with his aviators on. So cool granddad Biden saying the CDC now says we can do this. And that's what like, ah, all of my anti-government hackles were raised because. He's the leader of the country. It's not the CDC says you can do this including me. Now the CDC tells me I can do this. This is a man who a week ago was double masking on a Zoom meeting with other world leaders in order according to his press secretary to set an example. This is not this is it really is insane and it's condescending in the extreme to treat the American people this way. They're treating us like ignorant children and it and it's got to stop and I think a lot of the I, I think histrionics is what I would call it on the right, particularly right-wing media about masking. Is, it's also ridiculous, but you can see how people have been driven to that point by the condescending childlike way in which they're sort of holding our hands and walking us along and telling us to do this stuff when it doesn't make sense and when it's contradictory. So one of the other problems with that um, graphic that that Noah was talking about is that if you look at it, you kind of think, why would I bother getting vaccinated? There's really uh, half the people has, still have the mask on their face in terms of the guidance. It, it's also contradicting what they told us during the Black Lives Matter rallies over the summer, which is that you should gather in large crowds. And yeah, I guess you should wear masks. But racism is a larger public health issue than the pandemic for a while. They're just all over the map. It's
1: confusing. Dr. Walensky, her biggest problem is that she says what she believes to be true. She's She's honest. And that has gotten her in a world of trouble more times than not her latest offense. And it's a real one is to say the truth, which is that masking is not scientific. It has nothing to do with your health. It is a symbol to the world of your dedication to the cause. It's a button that you wear on your lapel. So
0: this is my point, which is you need to be in crowds with masks if you are fully vaccinated. Because the unvaccinated will take the fact that you are not wearing a mask as a sign that it's okay for them to be unvaccinated, but they're unvaccinated. So you see, if you wear a mask and you're vaccinated, then their not being masked will expose them as being unvaccinated or something, whatever it is, it is this kabuki
1: theater of public health. Wait, more. you, more, you, you have you, the, the example they use are sports stadiums, right? Crowded, crowded settings in sports stadiums where attendance is already circumscribed to the point where it's like twenty percent, thirty percent can get in the door. It's not crowded in a sports stadium because they don't allow it to be crowded, but you still have to wear a mask because it can theoretically be crowded or it was
3: crowded at a certain point. But this it's also the, this is the guidance. It's also the thing about um, Walensky's point about going to crowds, uh, why you must wear a mask. Um, It's another version of this, not dealing with the science, but overthinking and trying to predict how people will respond, what people will do to take care of themselves, not trusting them to act rationally.
0: Look, it's also, I call it kabuki theater, but I mean, that may not be the right Precisely the right kind of what what it is, is the presumption that it is the role of public health officials to direct the behavior of people unconsciously. And that is chilling. I'm sorry. And, you know, okay, so doctors. So there have been doctors have been telling noble lies since doctoring began, I suppose. But uh, these are public officials, not only at the federal level, but at the state level. And they are, they are assigning themselves the task of being not only the interpreters of disease and maladies, which is, of course, a, a scientific matter that uses data and information, and you collate it and put it together. And it's kind of inarguable with some kind of weird behavioral science approach that supposedly Get, they have greater insight into what manipulates controls and, and contains people than other people do. And they have the right to make decisions and statements and conclusions that do, are not in any way, shape or form bound by scientific findings, but are bound by theories about human behavior. And we have allowed them and allowed this, this is one of the reasons that I keep ranting about public health. We have allowed them to assume this role and assign this role to themselves, and it is intellectually totalitarian. I'm not saying they're totalitarians. I'm saying the idea that whatever it is that you have, if you have a goal, assign a goal, social goal, and you ascribe scientific aspects to it, that do not belong there. In order to achieve the political aim that you are seeking to achieve, that is the Marxist delusion, right? That Marxism is a science, whereas, whereas in fact, a a, a matter of power, and it is a it is an act of of, of political control, and it's not that there isn't some validity or justification to the idea that people need this. That's Hobbes. That's the Leviathan. We need the Leviathan because left to our own devices, we will tear each other to shreds. We will eat each other alive. We will live in the state of nature, which is nasty, brutish, and short. So, you know, it's a its a significant thought process in Western culture and in culture generally that people cannot be allowed to do these things on their own. But but Go ahead. Sorry. No, that's good. I, I was going to say,
2: but there's also what, what we're one of the reasons the reaction from sort of libertarian or conservative minded people is is as extreme as it is, is that we have a history in this, even in this country of allowing public health and or uh, government officials to make those decisions in a way that we now realize was actively harmful and detrimental. So I'll give you an extreme example, although it is was not extreme at the time, which was, you know, state and um Uh, our federal government, but the state at state level institutions telling people who they were sterilizing that they were just giving them an appendectomy um, and then sterilizing people who were considered feeble minded in the early part of the 20th century, part of the eugenics movement. There's this whole history to it, obviously. But that was the state doing something for the good of everyone wherein they didn't even inform the people who were having bodily harm committed to them, so much so that some states like Virginia had to settle lawsuits decades later with people who, th- who didn't understand why they couldn't bear children, because when they were younger and in a state institution, they'd been robbed of that ability without any, any uh, disclosure of that. That's an extreme example. We have milder cultural examples. So, you know, in in the mid 20th century, it wasn't uncommon for cancer doctors to reveal diagnoses to husbands, but not to the wives who themselves were suffering from the cancer because they didn't want to upset the ladies. I mean, there, we have a million examples of paternalism and condescension in public health and medicine that we know now to be egregious and unacceptable. And I wonder if 10, 20 years from now, we're going to look back on these moments And think about how the mistrust in our public health institutions grew out of just this kind of condescension and treating people, not as Abe said, not as rational creatures, but as irrational children. But
3: you know, there's, I'm sorry. Well, well, the flip side problem to this is that there are people who don't recognize it as condescension and um, hang on these judgments and announcements as if they're real. And uh, this happened yesterday. I was talking to a neighbor of mine, uh, and she said oh today's a big day and i i literally didn't know what she was talking about even even after having read the announcement because it's not, you know i i've been walking around the city without a mask i said oh what's what's going on she said well we can we can go out without masks now and i said oh i've been doing that and uh, she still had her mask on this was in the elevator and she said oh i'm scared i'm 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 so scared i'm too scared to do it now why is she too scared to go out now because up until this very moment She's been hearing that it would be crazy to go out without it, with, it, with without a mask. And she took it as gospel.
0: Well, I mean, these I are the that... people
1: who you don't have to worry about because those are the people who are rushing out to get vaccinated and who are taking all the mitigation measures that they can. And those are the safe people.
0: That is always the problem with these kinds of guidances. Let me give you another example. I've, I think I've mentioned this before. So when I first had kids the american academy of pediatrics announced that no child under 2 should watch tv ever S- studies had shown that screen time interfered with uh, blah 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 nah, right um you need to read to your kids you need to play with your kids you need to do this no tv it's a very draconian Assignment, because of course, you know, what if you need to like go to the bathroom and you want to put your kid in the playpen or something, or you need to wash the dishes or something like that? You're alone with a kid. You can turn on the TV so that you have ten minutes to do something you have to do. Right? Who's going to listen to guidance like that? The people who will hear the guidance and listen to the guidance are people who would who under most circumstances do not use the TV as a babysitter. They do read to their kids. They do play with their kids. They're very concerned about the emotional, physical, and psychological development of their children. And so they will do all of the crunchy granola things that you're supposed to do to achieve that. Who won't listen are the people who are the reason that you – Issue the guidance in the first place, which is people who are like, "I'm too tired," or "I've got five other kids." I'm turning on the TV; they drive me crazy. You know, I, and you know, I'm going to go and have a beer in the other room or whatever. It doesn't even matter. Those people hear no TV, and they say, oh, the hell with it." They don't say. All right, I'll see what I can do. Maybe they feel guilty. Maybe it makes them feel guilty, but they're not going to change their behavior. And it's precisely the people who do not need to be told that screen time needs to be limited who are adversely affected by the idea that if they break down and they just can't help themselves, then they let a kid watch an episode of Pinky Dinky Doo or the Teletubbies or whatever is Pinky Dinky Doo today because I haven't had a little, you know, a tiny kid in 10 years. Um, that they're doing something wrong, and that they are harming their children by doing it. And that's how a lot of these guidances work. They end up provoking anxiety and uh, and second guessing and a sense of incompetence on the part of people who are already doing pretty well because they're perfectionistic. They are intellectually minded, they're well-educated, and they are more than uniquely susceptible to being told that there's a right and a wrong way to do things. Other people, poorer people, uh, less educated people, are just trying to get through the day, and they are not going to get instructed in... Proper com- conduct by the American Academy of Pediatrics, which they've never heard of. I mean, this reminds me of this fantastic packet passage in The Road to Wigan Pier by George Orwell, which is a book about how he goes among the working class in, in England in the depths of the Depression and about how these respectable upper middle class ladies come and they try to teach good nutrition to the coal miners. And how they should eat vegetables, and they need to have a salad, and they shouldn't eat fatty. They should restrict sugar, and all of this. And as Orwell says, these men go into the into the bottom of the earth and dig out coal dusts. Squatted over for twelve hours, and then they come out. And one of the few pleasures they have in life is food that tastes good. And what do the respectable middle-class ladies do? Say, "No, no, no, you can't eat that. Eat something tasteless but healthy." And it's like you have no understanding of the way people live, and that's very much how things work in this attitude. You know, where this, what this attitude, the mindset of this attitude, which is. The improvement of society through the adjustment of the behaviors of people who don't know better.
2: Well, and this this is a huge blind spot for the elite for elite institutions and the elite in general who come up with these rules for everybody else. And that's that in many, many ways, delayed gratification is a luxury good that's largely uh, a granted to people who have the ability to cope with stressors and have a cushion in life. If you don't have that, it is much harder. And it's not just a matter of individual willpower in the it, like the marshmallow test. If you're raised in an environment that is chaotic, that is that that is unhealthy in, in any number of ways, it is much harder to see down the line and be like, you know, I mean the joke is that like that's a problem for future Homer from The Simpsons, but it is actually really cognitively a challenge to think. I'm going to give this good thing up right now that I know will satisfy me because in the future I'll feel better not having had it. It's harder to do that, and I don't. I don't say that in a condescending way. I say that in as a matter of experience, and a matter of you know, you, if you talk to people who grow up that way, it is it is like a muscle that has to be built over and over again over time. For the elite who are telling people don't drink that large soda, don't eat the fast food, they actually aren't understanding the broader problem. Um, they're just they just think that by giving these edicts, people are going to f- listen to them because oh. Oh, well, they must They must know better. That is not, that's not the case. And that's not the case with the mask wearing when you're doing, going about your business in certainly if you're vaccinated.
3: Yeah, and that goes um, hand in hand. There's this idea that what people, what everyone needs is just the knowledge. They don't know. And if you just tell them this thing, you see, then they will know and then they will act accordingly. First of all, so people know, you know, so many more people know than, than are given credit for. No, whatever. No, to wear a mask. No, that soda's bad for you. It's kind of hard to 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 avoid these things, um, in an atmospheric way at this point. And they don't follow your advice. They have their reasons. Christine details them. Orwell detailed them. But that 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 it's not always this you know matter of uh, ignorance that you need to come and swoop down and and, and help them with.
1: What did Dr. Anthony Fauci say over the weekend about masking outside when he's confronted with this deluge of elite opinion now questioning the validity of this guidance? He said, look, we don't have the data on this yet to make a definitive determination one way or the other. But common sense, said it twice, common sense suggests that all these critics are right and we should have some guidance, you know, uh, comporting with that assumption on the part of the general public and lo- Joe Biden comes out 48 hours and, and provides this this determination and we move forward. But if we're now doing this based on common sense, if we're saying, look, you can substitute your own good judgment for for guidelines, what are essentially just guidelines, it's not edicts, then that opens up a universe of opportunity for people who are m- sort of marginally tuned in or maybe not even listening to this, to the to the experts, to public officials, to public health officials, elected officials. Those are the people we need to talk to now anyway. So if we're, if we're saying, look, then substitute your own good judgment, um, that could have some salutary effects.
0: Look, a- Andrew Cuomo uh, announced yesterday uh, that he was ending the uh, policy that he had put in place. Just to give you a sense of this whole question of social control and the love of the certain types of politicians for instituting social controls, because they just get a real blast out of making rules that people have to follow. There was this whole thing where he wanted to prevent people from hanging out at bars, even though he was reopening bars. And so you had to order food in order to get a drink in New York. And you couldn't just order a drink. And so you had to order food. So bars would give you a pickle in a, in a wrapper and charge you a dollar, and then you could have a drink. Why? (laughs) Because he didn't want the idea being that you could go out to a bar, and so bars were forced into this kabuki theater of pretending to be restaurants serving food, clearing some hurdle... Regulatory hurdle put in place through the emergency powers of a governor who had gone like the dictator in bananas, announcing that everybody needed to wear their underwear on the outside because it, he had decided that they should change their underwear every 30 minutes. So if you have to do that, you have to wear it on the outside so we can check.
2: But there's also in with that edict, that's a perfect example. With that edict, there is also a very loud value judgment being made by a state official about what's important in day to day life for, for everybody else, for the plebs, Right. So you have you have someone saying it is not valuable to gather socially with friends and share time together face-to-face, even amid the stress of a pandemic, even with safety precautions outside, masks, et cetera, et cetera, we're going to make that more of a challenge because that's not important. What's more important is the top-down you know, pandemic uh, emergency. And I will say, I think it's in Tennessee. The governor of Tennessee just said, we're not in an emergency situation anymore. I'm lifting mandates. I'm lifting restrictions. I encourage all the local mayors to do the same. This is no yeah, longer emergency. He
0: didn't just encourage local mayors to do this. He ordered used them, right? some state power that every state to deny them the ability to issue local mask mandates. Um, yeah, and he was getting crap uh, on Twitter about it uh, because, you know, common sense uh, doesn't count except w- when you want to start attacking a Republican politician.
1: I mean, we should recall that <clears throat> that mandate led to Governor Cuomo to get so granular with its enforcement that he had, he weighed in on what appropriate food was to constitute a meal. Like wings, wings were in a meal. Yeah.
0: Would you, would you like to know why? Sure. Because he's crazy. <laughs> he is a crazy psychopathic lunatic. And can we just who put said it out- yesterday, by the way, after apologizing for his terrible behavior, in march and agreeing to the the appointment of a special prosecutor to look into his behavior that he had done nothing wrong so well, if you want to see trump on the democratic side times a billion you've got andrew cuomo who is a psychopath and anybody who votes for him next year should be in a lunatic institution themselves
2: okay but he's getting a ta- tacit approval to be that absolutely over the top brazen because the biden administration has put him in charge of the of the of the discussions among governors about covid policy like how so there is a kind of tacit endorsement of cuomo by the biden administration yeah. nobody wants to talk about that either
0: Ah, Well, you know what we want to talk about? We want to talk about our friends at the Bonson Group, that $2.8 billion under-management by coastal financial management and services firm run by our friend David Bonson with its two great products, the DCToday.com and DividendCafe.com. You know where I'm going to go tomorrow, tonight, whenever it's going to be, to read – up about what Biden announces in relation to this American jobs plan or whatever he's calling it, the American child care plan, the American health plan, the American let's bring government into every bedroom plan, the let's get let's go and uh, give 80 billion new dollars to the IRS cuz everybody loves the IRS having a lot of money to go at. They're only going to go after really ultra wealthy people. By the way, you know what? That's not going to work. It's not going to be about ultra wealthy people, by the way, because that's not where the money is, despite what everybody thinks. Like, you want to audit people and get a lot of money. You go right for the sort of $75,000 to $200,000 range because you can go hit them. They're not going to sue back. They're not going to, they're going to, you hit them with an audit and they're going to pay up. And that's how the, that's how that's going to work. David will tell you that and he'll, Try to go through it granularly in the DCtoday.com and DividendCafe.com and explain this to you. That's the Bonson Group, DividendCafe.com, the DCtoday.com, your antidote to the intellectual spaghetti of the financial services and management industry. Um, so COVID relaxation, and we spent some time this morning before the podcast looking at the numbers. And some of the numbers are encouraging and some of the numbers are discouraging. But just so everybody understands, when Rochelle Walensky, our now favorite official, said, I think three weeks ago, that she was in terror. She lived in terror. I think she said lived in terror. I don't remember. that. The fourth wave. Doom. doom. Yeah. A a feeling of of impending doom. Yes. So I just want everybody to understand there was impending doom because of the fourth wave. It was Michigan; they were killing everybody, and we're all going to die. Uh, in the last two weeks, from April 14th to April 28th, the number of positive cases of COVID seven day average went from 71,000 on the f- 14th of April to 28 uh, excuse me 55,000 today on April 28th that is a decline of 20%. Uh it if you look at the chart it's you can see a yearly chart so it's just this little tail at the end but it is a that's not a precipitous drop off but it's close like if 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 the if the if the same pattern proceeds and 2 weeks from now we are 20% lower than we are now though it, it's likely that it would be faster than that because of vaccinations and Various other things, we could be looking at a caseload of forty thousand a day, and this is exactly what we want, which is the which is the the sign that everything is connecting and that everything is hitting. So uh, that is unassailable. That is inarguable. Those numbers are real. The decline is real. Since we were all hysterical about the growth, uh, this is the same number that we were at in March when. The when the supposed fourth wave started happening because of the spike in Michigan and some other places. So just take that, tell people this, don't let them get away with the idea that we're still in, you know, horrible, terrible territory. We are
3: going in the right direction. And you know what, you know, what you don't hear so much about anymore. I mean, still a little bit, but it's not dominating uh, the, the COVID story these days. Variants. Um, oh, but
0: you're hearing it in India. Yeah. You're hearing yes. it in yeah. India. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. In India, meat meat. there are reports that there's a double variant. There might be a double variant. We don't know, but there might be a double variant. This is in the New York Times story today. There might be a double variant, half of which makes it more contagious and half of which makes it less curable by vaccines. Okay, this is a sentence in an article in the most important newspaper in the world, a rumor of a double variant that is essentially like the super bug that is the terror of everybody with no evidence that it's true. So now India is going to be the repository of every horror story that we have ever heard. And, and stuff is going to be made up or there's going to be all kinds of stuff going, going on. And then it's like, you have to put your mask on again because of India or something like that.
3: But it, it just goes to show that you know. So taking the variant um, angle to the to the to the story is a way of, um, set, you know, as we've said from the start, no one has really quite had a handle on how this <clears throat> virus behaves. Um, but if you if you put it in this the variant framework, you can sound like you know what's going on. You can keep things scary. Um, you can get a lot of quotes on the record. And you, and you can um, put in enough caveats to say, who knows?
0: Yeah, who knows what's what's going to work? So we have to be very cautious and remain extremely cautious and all of that. And meanwhile, we are getting reports in the macro economy that the continuing caution is starting to have real world consequences in terms of inflation and shortages that we are, at, you know, Uh, We already know about housing, Uh, lumber. Lumber is now four times uh, cost what it did a year ago. Um, So there's going to be this housing is one of the major industries in the United States. And it is is, uh, becoming prohibitively expensive, not only to build a house, but to renovate a house. But these shortages are all over the economy. And there are two forms of the shortage, by the way. There's A. There's shortages of equipment and stuff like that. And B, there are real and systemic shortages in manpower. And guess why there are shortages in manpower as the economy improves and people need workers to start to start helping make things and sell things and transport things and all of that. How, why? Because everybody is on unemployment until September under the
2: terms of the coronavirus relief package. Yeah, your gas prices will go up in large part because the Guys who drive those, the guys and gals who drive those trucks, the tanker trucks, they're they're having trouble staffing those. It, it, I know prices have spiked here in D.C. already. I know they're I friend in Ohio, same thing. Gas prices are up there. You know, it's going to cost people 50 bucks to fill their tank in some places, and this is right. coming a- ahead of the summer travel season. So that people are going to feel that in their wallets.
0: Yeah, no, but I mean, so we have the classic unintended consequence of a of an economy that decides just as it's recovering to start opening up the government checkbook and creating competition for workers through worklessness, through paid worklessness. This is madness. And Everybody warned about it, and it doesn't matter. So congratulations. Uh, If there's an inflationary spiral, uh, that bill that everybody liked is going to be partially responsible. So that's really... That's really great news. I want to talk about this one other thing in relation, because it is very important, because Noah sent us this chart um, uh, from the New York Times. The new reported doses administered by day. uh, Vaccinations. So uh, we had peaked at around 4 million on, I think, like April 14th. Uh, and we are now, if you look at the chart, you're seeing a pretty precipitous decline to 2.72 million average uh, shots per day. Uh, according to the Washington Post, 53% of the eligible population over 16 has now gotten at least one shot. The uh, overall, meaning everybody in the country under 16 to to, to dead, uh, it's 43%. But the but the number of new shots is declining even more precipitously. It's like 1.1, 1.2 million, which means that's the that, average.
1: Right? It's it's much worse than that. Um, if you go to the CDC's COVID data tracker, um, it's been the average has been in decline now since a very auspicious date of uh, roughly April thirteenth. Uh, and Noah,
0: that. tell us tell us what uh, that auspicious date. Also,
1: was the date of, uh, meaning, uh, please. That was the uh, the day that um, public health officials determined that it was really prudent to stop administering the Johnson Johnson vaccine because the threat of blood clots, uh, serious blood clots, life threatening blood clots affected precisely six people out of the uh, million or so. Seven million. Seven, Seven million. You not so yeah, so get them from chance. birth control or aspirin, but yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, the, the public health messaging. Um, around that has so far been, you idiots, you blithering fools, why don't you understand that this means we're hyper-competent? Hasn't really had the intended effect, because as of yesterday, the number of people who received their first dose of vaccine against this disease was 106,000. And it's been going down and down and down every day. Wait, you're
0: saying nationally the number of first shots was one hundred and six thousand,
1: according to the CDC tracker.
0: That's not a million six, million. One hundred
1: and six thousand seven hundred twenty-one people, as of April on the day, April twenty-six. There's no data for the twenty-seventh. Uh, before that, okay. it was two hundred ninety-one thousand. Well, before that, could... it yeah. was eight hundred thousand. And it's just, it's declining. And
2: people are also not showing up for their second shots. The people who are getting Moderna or Pfizer vaccines, we've seen a drop-off in people returning for the second shot, which the first shot, it's good to get. It's like, what, 70, 80% coverage, but you really need that second shot in order to get the full effect of the of the vaccine. And there are a lot of people who aren't returning. Actually, when I went to go get my second shot, I asked the, the nurse who administered, and she's like, we've had a lot of no-shows for the second dose.
3: Yeah, I'm looking at Bloomberg now, uh, their vaccine tracker. So, in order for the daily average to drop um, as, as swiftly as it has, because you got you got to realize what's happening actually every day. Yesterday, there were only 1.64 million doses administered in the country.
0: Okay, so th- so uh, th- this is weird uh, because New York State uh, reports itself uh, 165,000 uh, in a seven-day av- per day in a seven-day average.
1: I mean, so we should some... probably got the heck out of this because everybody has their own metrics and they follow the, the, the databases from the states are, are, are sparse. Sometimes there's reporting lags. So all this could be retroactively changed. Um, but we're talking about a decline, an average sustained decline when you smooth out the data for, all, for a better part of two weeks now. So the notion that we're expecting a dump from two weeks ago, um, if the, if we are, we're all at sea, but I don't think we are.
0: Okay, so basically, I think we we are very close to being uh, on the verge of saying that the that the decision of the of the CDC and the FDA to um, essentially use its own pre pandemic uh, standards, let's say. For doing something like a pause or issuing a piece of guidance that says don't use that, you know, we're 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 suggesting to doctors that they not use X until we fully investigate why they defaulted to their usual approach because that is their comfort zone, their comfort level, everything that they've been taught and everything that they get praised for, um, and this may have been the most calamitous public health decision in all of recorded history. If we are seeing a ninety percent decline in the number of people who are willing to get vaccinated, following four million doses a day, and we're now down to two point seven million, and according to NOAA, the number is even worse. Well, because it so also let's just follow that.
3: But it, can, it comes it, on it, the it, heels. It, it, it
0: parallel tracks. Like you look at the chart, the minute you hit April thirteenth, fourteenth, it craters. It create. It just. And it craters in part because people are going back for their second shots, but, you know, and then after two weeks, there's no more second shot, you know, or in most cases. And so that's going to be true two weeks from now. Like, anyway, go ahead.
2: Well, and you already, I was just going to say, it comes on the heels that the, the precipitous drop might not have been as precipitous if, as we've been saying for a while now, the messaging before that pause of the Johnson Johnson vaccine had been more consistently positive and optimistic and giving people a reason to keep coming, getting their vaccinations, because in some places the J&J vaccine isn't the one on offer, it's, it's Moderna or Pfizer. And so if you'd had a pretty consistent messaging about, OK, we're going to take a second, even if you had to feel felt like you had to do that pause still saying, but everybody should go go find an outlet that's offering another vaccine. Go offer, you know, we're here, here, here's all the things you're gonna be able to do afterwards. I think the combination of that mixed messaging at the beginning followed by a pause gave a lot of people who might've been inching towards vaccination, an excuse and a reason like, oh, it's unsafe. And now we know it's unsafe. They stopped giving it to people. I'm not gonna get it at all.
1: Yeah, yeah and then well, the public health community is so solipsistic that they think that this means that you should have more faith in vaccines and their competence. Because look at how look at how focused they are on your health. That we would do this for these six people. That means we are really focused on trying to make sure that this is safe and you're safe and everyone's safe. But it comes at the expense of of faith and confidence in the vaccine. And anybody who isn't you know steeped in that culture knew it intuitively. Well the other
0: part, the other thing is we were talking about how they use the noble lie all the time. So a decision was made here. Let's say that they believe that this is something they needed to do. The decision here was not to use the noble lie if they really think that, you know, the uh vaccinating people is of the paramount importance. It was more like I don't want to get blamed if people get blood clots. So we are gonna pause this. And it's like, was no one at the table saying, do you have any, we said this the day that it happened, you have any idea? What the consequences here, you think that vaccine hesitancy isn't a real thing. We've been saying for two months that vaccine hesitancy is a real thing. And the federal government is going to come out and say, uh-oh, there may be a problem with the vaccines. And you think people are going to make all these wonderful distinctions between, oh no, that look, Moderna, they are an mRNA, but Johnson & Johnson is a DLQP. So you get the mRNA, but not the DLQP. And therefore you're all fine. People are going to go, I knew there was something fishy about this <laughs> whole thing. Like they come up with this and they say it's totally perfect and everything like that. And then suddenly it's got to be a lot worse than we know if they're stopping it. And what's, con- what's to say in two weeks they're not going to make the same announcement about the wonderful Pfizer and Moderna? And you know what else? I hear there's this AstraZeneca thing in Europe and that's bad. And so why am I – I just – not gonna go there. And Or it's yeah. like, you know what, I'll do it, but my wife, I'm not gonna let my wife do it, which is something that I've actually I heard a couple of people say.
1: Oh no, I'm, I'm not gonna let my wife it. do it. And then they're saying, Oh, you know we're gonna reprove this stuff for for kids, for people right, over as, the age of eleven.
2: Good luck. Yeah. The negativity bias on this on these stories yeah. is, is- Doing a lot of damage. Absolutely. Okay. But this is why and, we you know, need
1: to establish an arbitrary point at which point we can just declare this locally over. And it's going to have to happen because pretty soon it's going to dawn on policymakers that there will be a substantial portion of the adult population that is not ever going to get vaccinated.
0: There is no way to do that. We've been saying that Has since March of 2020, that politicians would deem it over. And and I, I just don't see how that's, that's, that's ever going to happen, really. But- You know, uh, we're in trouble, and you get stress, and it goes everywhere in your body, and one of the places it goes is your back, and let me talk to you about the X chair, because if you got back troubles, or even if you don't have back troubles, but you know that sitting in your desk chair is the sort of thing that could cause back troubles, the X chair, with its patented dynamic variable lumbar support, which offers unbelievable lumbar support to your lower back, Add to that its new XHMT technology that provides heat and massage therapy while sitting at your desk right to your core, helping increase blood flow, muscle recovery, and energy. These are all perks that make working from the X chair a joy with its four different massage modes. Instead of my old uncomfortable office chair, I look forward to spending my time sitting in the Ultimate Therapeutic Massager, the luxury supercar of office chairs, X-Chair. On sale now for $100 off. Go to xchaircommentary.com now. That's the letter X, the word chair, commentary.com or call 1-844-4X-Chair. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. Go to xchaircommentary.com now and use code XWheels for free. X-Wheel Bladecasters. Xchaircommentary.com. Um, my dear friend Abe... and and Noah, talk to me about Human Rights Watch and its latest report on Israel.
1: Yeah, so this is kind of par for the course for this organization. Um, Authored a 217-page report out yesterday, the lead author of whom is Omar Shakir, who has been an advocate of boycotting and has uh, tried to get institutions like airbnb to boycott israel unsuccessfully for some time uh they released a bombshell not report.
0: unsuccessfully it was actually successful for about a week Ah, okay and then they stopped but go ahead
1: yeah well anyway i issued a report yesterday alleging that um israel is an apartheid state um which is an allegation that has been rhetorically floated for for some time but this report uh purports to prove it definitively and essentially uses a definition of apartheid taken from the, uh, the uh, Rome statutes, the Rome Agreement, I forget what it's called, um, that serves as the foundation for, for a lot of the language in these international institutions. But it utilizes a definition that was native to the East Bloc that was essentially um, to the Soviet Union and its allies in an effort to isolate uh, American uh, support for South Africa. Um, which subsequently um, was was never adopted by Western nations, but was subsequently became something of uh, an an agreed upon framework, but nevertheless is used in in a way here that is extremely unconvincing. Um, And it is predicated on the idea that the annexation and planned annexation of parts of the West Bank under uh, the Oslo framework, the sparsely populated Area C, which was planned but never implemented, it, it f- forms the basis of this. It's, it's not a convincing report, but it has been utilized as, as everybody expected it would, as a propagandistic headline that is adopted by the people for whom Israel and its, uh, its treatment of Palestinians is a fixation, which Abe will now note is a fixation that is native primarily to Western progressives and not to Arab nations.
3: You know, it's funny. I didn't think of this before, but it kind of reminds me of the beginning of the conversation regarding the CDC, in the sense that um, it's as if reality is what some organization uh, says it is, and then everyone goes, "Oh, oh, okay, that's 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 what's going on." Um, it, Israel is, of course, uh, not not an, an apartheid um, nation. Um, people have been claiming that it is um, for far longer than uh, this sort of official um, uh, uh, Human Rights Watch um, uh, report has has said so but you know the thing about this is and this is this has kind of been my thinking since the Abraham Accords um, this kind of propaganda now only goes so far because once you have the the Arab nations of the region um, no longer, Trading in in this kind of garbage, and in fact, moving closer to Israel and um, benefiting from the fruits of their alliance with Israel. Uh, you know these these Western organizations who hate Israel. They can go on saying this as as much as they want. The facts on the ground are changing, and and passing them by.
0: Um, I think it's important to note that Human Rights Watch, as an organization, was founded by a man named Robert L. Bernstein, uh, who uh, before his death, uh, actually like 12 years ago, uh, said that he was disgusted with what had become of Human Rights Watch in its portrayal, its singling out, and its repellent fixation on the idea that Israel was some uniquely unjust uh, country in its treatment, of the Palestinians. What's interesting about this report is that it is that it um, it, it elides the difference between Israeli Arab citizens and uh, and uh, Palestinians who live on the West in Bank and a separate and territory, Gaza, in and in a sovereign yes. territory. Yes, in a semi-sovereign territory. I mean, it, it is it is a uniquely weird condition that they are in but they 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 were granted and have political autonomy uh, based on agreements signed by the palestinians themselves at oslo and following up on on all of that uh, that did not lead to statehood because the palestinians three times rejected efforts by israel to come up with a plan for palestinian statehood that the palestinians themselves would not agree to most famously at camp david with arafat uh ehud barak then prime minister of israel and bill clinton and arafat said to clinton at the end of one of these sessions you're a great man you're a great hero and clinton said no i am not i am a failure and you made me one and then arafat went back to israel and started the second intifada terror war that is the that is the story uh, of Human Rights Watch. Now, we I think we we need to uh, follow up on one other interesting thing. Uh, Alana Goodman in the Washington Free Beacon points out that the uh, the chosen uh, the person that the Biden administration either intends to or has a, uh, has um, uh, nominated formally, uh, for, yeah, has nominated formally for the job of Assistant Secretary of State for Democracy, Human Rights, and Labor was the Washington, D.C. director for Human Rights Watch. Her name is Sarah Margone. I hear she's a very nice person. But Sarah Margone, aside from being a person who worked at this office that has shown this horrible uh, set of attitudes toward Israel and and uh, and, and in human rights terms, uh, has committed the uh, unbelievable felony of uh, attacking Israel's human rights record while downpeddling. Uh, and downplaying the human rights records of other uh, worst country, vastly worse countries, um, is also somebody who has openly advocated for the prosecution for war crimes of American officials in international courts, particularly the International Criminal Court. Something that, by the way, Secretary of State Tony Blinken has himself said he is very much opposed to. So they've nominated this person from this anti-Israel organization who believes that it would be, who believed and even wrote, I think, uh, some kind of a a document uh, saying that former Bush administration officials should be tried for war crimes and crimes against humanity at The Hague. And I wonder what this report is going to do to her chances. Remember, it's a 50-50 Senate. There are people in the Senate who do not cotton to this stuff, and I don't just mean Tom Cotton. Um, but you know, all you need is one Democrat. That Democrat could be Robert Menendez. It could be uh, I don't know. There's all kinds of Democrats who don't uh, co- who don't hold with this kind of talk and this kind of attitude. And I wonder whether she's going to make it through. And with that, let me talk to you about your incognito mode on your Chrome browser. And if you use it, guess what? You're not incognito. Google itself says incognito does not mean invisible. You think you're doing it because it means that no one will know who you are. But Google is still selling your movements online based on what goes on in your incognito browser. So guess how to make yourself actually as invisible as possible online. There's only one, one answer. Express VPN. Turns out that even in incognito mode, your online activity still gets tracked. Data brokers still get to buy and sell your data. That's your IP address. They harvest it and they identify you in your location. But with ExpressVPN, your connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server. Your IP address is masked. Every time you connect to ExpressVPN, you get a random IP address shared by many other Express VPN users. That makes it harder for third parties to identify you or harvest your data. Best of all, ExpressVPN is super easy to use. No matter what device you're on, phone, laptop, or smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button for instant protection. So if you really want to go incognito and protect your privacy, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN, ex- visit expressvpn.com commentary. Get three extra ones for free. That's expressvpn.com slash commentary, expressvpn.com slash commentary. Uh, I got to run, so I'm sorry to end so abruptly. But for Abe, Christine, and Noah, I'm John Podhoritz. Keep the candle burning.